Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're going to recap the She Believes Cup United States Women's National Team versus Iceland. United States Women's National Team defeating Iceland 5-0, lifting another She Believes Cup. We're going to take a deep dive into that right now. But first, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter for all breaking news at Attacking Third. And if you're joining us live on YouTube, welcome. Please hit subscribe and like this video, comment, leave us your thoughts. Uh, we've got the chat live and active, so go ahead and drive, uh, drop us your comments in the chat. We would love to hear from you, as always, because there's a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting things to chat about, right? Everything kind of coming together in the final match day of this tournament uh, let's talk about it. How you doing today, Lisa? How you feeling tonight? Late night, we're doing this live, so I gotta do the check-in. It's it's late on the East Coast, right? Yeah, I mean it's definitely past the bedtime here, especially with a pretty early wake-up call because Arnold Clark was nine thirty this morning, and then we yeah. got this match starting at nine. It was a full a full day of really bookend by live games, which you know makes. Nothing makes me happier than having live games and matches to talk about with you. Um, I am pumped to dive into this one because even with Arnold Clark, this She Believes Cup came down to the very last match. I mean, heading into this, the United States needed to beat Iceland in order to win. And if they didn't, it was it was going to be a little embarrassing for the U.S. Um, so I'm really excited to talk with you about it. How are you, Sandra? A little less late for you in central time zone, but I mean... It's still late. We still have long work days. Listen, it's still late because like you mentioned, like the day that we went through, right? We started, got yeah. up early in the morning to to cover Arnold Clark Cup. And uh, we went ahead and did some things earlier in the day about <laughs> that. People were joining us there and and chatting about the uh, the performances from from England, Spain, Germany, and Canada, and that one, and then now having a full full day, full day, full slate of soccer. Uh, not a bad day, not a bad work day for us. Not I, at I, all. I gotta say, uh, but very long for sure. But I love that we got to be able to witness sort of what we got to witness uh, yeah. tonight. Right? Uh, we were watching United States Women's National Team take on Iceland, uh, really for the She Believes Cup title on the line. Uh, some of the the storylines heading into this match specifically and honestly like we can even throw it back a little bit to like our preview maybe lisa when we were like going over the roster and talking about what was to come ahead in this 
she believes cup some of those storylines follow the, the the team through the you know the three match days that they had against uh, Czech Republic New Zealand and then Iceland right right in the final go but a lot of it talking about the fact that this was a younger roster coming into play in this uh, she believes cup tournament uh, not a lot of the uh, typical uh, veterans right uh, in the mix here that this was going to be utilized by head coach Vlako Andonowski and the remainder of the coaching staff uh, to really try to present these opportunities right to these younger players to the next gen type of players to be able to get them in these high level environments for uh, you know more evaluation purposes and not only that we knew that they were going to come into this tournament uh, kind of, uh, you know, directly out of the off season, right? Just out of a January camp that didn't have international friendlies and fixtures and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that was kind of chasing them, I think, really through the duration of this, uh, you know, She Believes Cup and maybe kind of finally getting the answers, you know, in this in this last match. Um, I, I loved uh, seeing this starting lineup, that, that drop. Maybe we'll just start with that. Kelly O'Hara, yeah. Mel Pugh, right? Tuna Davidson, Christy Mewis, Sandy Sullivan, Katarina Macario, uh, Sophia Smith, Emily Fox, Lana Cook, Ashley Sanchez, Katie, uh, excuse me, Casey Murphy getting the final start, right? And a second start in net mm-hmm. for this uh, United States women's national team. What stood out for you when you saw this starting 11, you know, uh, be, be tabbed to sort of go out there and maybe win this thing? I really liked this starting 11. It was the youngest that we had seen throughout the She Believes Cup. Seven of the 11 United States starters were under the age of 25. And this is what Blackland and Oski needed to do during this friendly tournament. Try out these young players. That's why he brought them in. Why not give them starts? Why not uh, give them full 90 minutes or 65 minutes of a match, majority of a game to see how they play with each other, see how they compete. Um, I I liked, uh, we talked about this after the second match for the U.S., uh, the center back pairing of, of Tierna and Alana, but we had Alana again. This was her fifth straight start at the United States women's national team, senior team level. Um, it, it's it's safe to say that Black Renanofsky was truly assessing what Alana Cook could do at the center back position. I think she did phenomenal. I mean, a, a clean sheet tonight against Iceland is really good. I liked seeing Sanchez and Christy Mewis get the start in the midfield. This was a pairing and a duo that we talked about way back when uh, during the January camp and even the She Believes Cup. I wanted to see Sanchez and Mewis together because they are similar styles of players uh, in, in what they can do on the ball, the skill that they have, the vision of the field and what their tendencies are on the pitch, especially in the attacking end. And he tried it out previously in the She Believes Cup, but to give them a start together and a chance there was really, really good. And I think, I mean, Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith up top. I mean, Kat Macario in the starting, uh, in the front line. And there's just a lot of good, good things from the starting 11 that I really liked, but it wasn't too crazy from what we had seen previously in the She Believes Cup. So we knew the trends and the themes that Black Radonofsky was looking at in his players, the partnerships he was looking to form, whether it's between Mallory Pugh and Sophia Smith up top, can they switch sides? Can they work well with Kat while she floats out to the side and even drops into the midfield? Can Ashley Sanchez move forward in the front line? And how well does Alana Cook organize in the back, whether it's alongside veterans were not and with a lot of younger players beside her um and i think we got a lot of answers from this now when you sandra looked at the starting 11 uh what did you think uh, what stood out to you what what were you missing what did you want to see a little bit more of at, at the start of this match sandra 
My fault, y'all. I, I like that there was those five players who got the extra start, right, for this starting uh, 11. I think something that has sort of been a trend with this United States women's national team, I think really no matter what era you're you're looking at, but more specifically in probably this last decade, is that this is a, a team, no matter the personnel that comes into play, that it finds itself sort of getting stronger as any sort of competition goes on. Right. So then to see this final match, they come into play and sort of see like, OK, who's going to be those final that final starting 11 that Adonofsky puts out and sort of have those five players kind of get those three consecutive starts, whether def- on the defensive line, when we're looking at an Alana Cook or an Emily Fox. Right. Or even in the attacking line with with Katerina Macario and Sophia Smith. I was looking at that. I wanted to see the progression, right? In particular from those those players because that's that's what was being preached, right? That's what was yeah. being talked about when it came to naming these players uh, specifically for these rosters, the development angle, right? So here it is. Here's the scenario. It's the final match day. It's for all the marbles. It's you're playing for a title. Show us like what what you got right, and then we're not going to sugarcoat it, right, Lisa? We don't really do that here on the show. This this is going to be the Cab Macario show, full stop. Heck yeah, you know, full full, full stop. <laughs> I mean, we talked we talked a little bit about it, uh, you know, coming off of of Sunday's game where we sort of did a back to back recap right of the first two matches and just sort of taking note that. Yes, this is this is a tournament that's coming off of a January cap where there weren't a ton of matches. There's a ton of players, with the exception of one, Katarina Macario, who are out of form at the moment, right in, mm-hmm. into preseason camps with their NWSL sides. Katarina Macario, a player who's playing overseas with a, a Olympic Lyonnais and has already been playing for weeks, right? So the form was a little bit different. So sort of seeing that, and when we're talking about the development, I think that's that's got to be where I really start and end with, right? Katarina Macario, sort of seeing that match match day one to match day three, uh, you just sort of felt like the goals were going to come from her, but they just weren't happening early. And then it just, it just clicked in this final match. It, it was almost the freedom that, as she had allowed herself to take, I'm going to say, because Black Wendonofsky wasn't limiting Kat Macario to uh, be a striker, be that be that 10 and stay in that hole, be that nine and, and push really high. He was giving her the freedom to do what Kat Macario does really well, pick up the ball in midfield, dribble at defenders, combine with her forwards up top, take outside shots, dribble into the box, do all of those things. But it was almost like she needed a two matches to adjust to the national team, to the U.S. national team, um, and and to kind of what the players around her were going to do. She was almost taking a passive role and saying, I'm going to do and pick up the pieces that have have changed. Now, in this match against Iceland, towards uh, the second half of that first half, I'm going to say that the last 20 minutes of the first half is when we started to see Kat Macario do a little bit more of what we've seen her do with Leon and, and pick up the ball and not necessarily think, okay, how can I dish it off? But okay, no, I'm going to make this run and I'm going to see which players support me and then which pass to make from there. I'm going to dictate where the play happens and what happens as it develops and unfolds in the attack. And I mean, banger, banger, banger from Kat Macario. And then once that happened in the first half, it was almost like her teammates just rallied around her and said, Kat will be there for you. If you make a run wide, 
I will, Mallory Pugh will cut inside and she'll fill up that center lane hole. You don't have to worry about that. It was almost like they found the rhythm as forwards into how they can feed off of each other, how they can have that, those overlapping runs that fill the space left behind by their teammates. It, it becomes not so centric on what you're doing as a player, but what are your teammates doing? And then just picking up the pieces aside from that. I mean, yeah, this has to be the Kat Macario show because well, she won MVP of the tournament at, at the end of this during the little trophy ceremony that was happening at She Believes and so well-deserved, so well-deserved from her progression to the bangers that she scored. Holy cow, watching them, it was like jaw-dropping moments uh, <laughs> to see these these goals from Kat Macario. And we know she can do it. We just haven't seen her do it yet with this team. And it was like, uh, unwrapping the cookie and finally getting to take a bite of it, not just being able to smell the fresh baked cookie of Cat Macario. It's the Cat Macario show. We're going to talk more about this win from the United States women's national team. We're going to take a quick break and get right back at it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Lisa, I really liked what you were talking about in terms of what Kat Makari was doing in that first half versus what she was doing the second half. Hard to believe that maybe it wasn't a tale of two halves, so to speak, right, for this, for just this one uh, particular player. But I think maybe even that that second goal, right, that she scored just before mm-hmm. halftime, really kind of setting in motion things, you know, so it's really sort of just solidifying, you know, that tempo a little bit that they were trying to keep, uh, you know, going into the second half. It almost felt for a second there, like once it hit the half hour mark, right, they were already at this point out shooting Iceland, right, Yeah, getting the looks in the final third. And you just sort of that I don't want to say the sense of worry, right, or a sense of anxiousness or nervous settles, but something settles in, you get in your head maybe a little bit where you sort of look at, at how your movement is different from the opposition, right? How your opportunities look different from the opposition. And then you're a half hour or past just past a half hour in, and you're looking at the scoreline and it's like, you're, you haven't connected yet. Right. Sometimes that can maybe go against you a little bit, right. It could go against you a little bit and you could just sort of get in your head. So I think it's really important to maybe sort of see that uh, this, this concept of patience that they were sort of preaching, right. That they kind of still stood with it, that they still kind of wanted to make sure that they didn't lose track of of their game plan. Uh, I think really sort of showed things. I think with that second goal, I loved, yes, Malpew making this, this driving run, right. Defenders collapsing on her, passing Mm -hmm. all out wide to Macario, Macario, presence of mind to just go ahead and make this ridiculous floating shot past the keeper but honestly like the other part of that that's equally important is seeing somebody like a Malpew after dishing that off still making that run into 
internet, right? Mm-hmm. We sort of sort of we sort of saw her crash the net like after after that, and then kind of seeing that switch a little bit in the second half where each of these players end up walking away with a brace, right? From this yes. game. And not only that, they both end up recording an assist on the, like each other's like respective goal, you know? So that was also uh, a lot of, a, I think for me was something very promising to kind of come out of uh, the attack here against Iceland. I mean, there were so many promising things and it's been preached upon and really beaten into the ground about this is a young team. These are the kids. We got to let them play. We got to see what they're doing. And they all have so much individual skill and, and just raw talent. That's why they're here. And that's why they're on this roster. And then when you bring it all together, um, it, it becomes problem solving that they're working on, right? Like it, during this game, Kat Parker wasn't working on her shot. She wasn't like, Ooh, let's see what I can score. She knows she can do that. Blacko Andonofsky knows she can do that. Her club coach and, and club team in Lyon knows that she can do that. It was more, okay, how can Kat Mercario work with Mallory Pugh and work with Sophia Smith and work with Emily Fox strip, uh, streaking down the flank? And how can they uh, unlock Iceland? Because heading into this one, these young players, uh, seven of them under the age of 25, didn't know how Iceland was going to set up. Set up. Are they going to be in a low block? Are they going to be in a mid block? Are they really going to bunker down and try to go for the the overtime and and the tie at the end of this one and sneak out, try to get a win in She Believes Cup that way? But or are they going to be a little bit more exposed and have a little bit more freedom in the front line? So that's what Vlad Kwajanovsky is looking at. Not if they can connect their passes and what runs they're making into the box, but how they're working with each other, how they're problem solving in real time on the field. And I think that it took the first 20 minutes of the first half for these players to kind of figure that out. And for Andy Sullivan to kind of communicate that with these players, I think Christy Mewis does a nice job in the midfield of, of making sure that Sanchez is also on the same game plan with her and then combining with the front line, especially with with the young players in Pew Smith and Macario up top, it's coming together as an 11 on the field, 10 players, field players to be able to problem solve and do that. And by the end of this match against Iceland, we saw that we had answers to how they were able to do that because Mallory Pew able to reach her what 20, career goals she ended up with 21 career goals and 20 career assists with the u.s women's national team uh, fantastic stuff from her it was individual performances that came together to make an overall battle for this united states women's national team really fantastic let's maybe uh talk about this tournament a little bit as a whole right now that we've got the ending of it the ending of it is that this uh this team needed to have three match days right to finally maybe have these types of looks uh, and finishes in front of goal uh, but she believes cup right the 2022 version it started with uh some some question marks maybe from the ca- casual uh you know fans who sort of didn't took notice that there weren't those uh usual suspects right within the mm-hmm. roster and the questionings as as to why and and the reasonings that were given for that you know that's a ton of these players actually had actually not been in action for, for quite some time. Uh, so needing to get back into club markets before getting back into, you know, to national team markets. And then there was also the concept of, Hey, this is the seventh annual, uh, you know, edition of the, she believes cup. This is, 
the uh, probably the more maybe one of the more different versions right or evolutions mm -hmm. of this tournament uh it started seven you know years ago with different you know opposition in place and there was also that narrative around this as well right there's the narrative of like well this is maybe not the same opposition that this team is used to facing uh when they used to face a uh, top tier teams, teams that were ranked somewhere between, you know, obviously United States and number one, uh, but between one and, and 10, right? Sort of having teams like England or France or, or Germany involved, or at one point having Brazil, Canada, right? Part of these, uh, part of these, um, she believes cup tournaments to now this edition, having Czech Republic, having New Zealand, having Iceland, different rankings throughout them in terms of the opposition for the roster that we were covering during this time, Lisa, does it feel like it was a, a, a worthy tournament in terms of what its initial purposes were to sort of see, get, get these evaluations, get these looks, or do you want to see something different for, uh, you know, next year's edition? I mean, honestly, a test is only as, as hard or as effective as, if it's like challenging the people that are taking the test, right? I mean, like even in school, you you know this. So as as a young player and and looking to come into the national team, um, you want to be tested and you really want to be challenged. I think that the competition between Iceland, Czech Republic, and New Zealand um, is almost like a quiz. Can I put it that way? Yeah. It's, it's like a mini little test for them. No, of course, if they were going up against. England, Germany, um, uh, any other top team, right? Like a top 10 ranked team in the in the world right now, that would be a bigger test because it would call, it would throw a lot more problems at these young players. It would throw a lot more uh, different scenarios, different defensive scenarios. It would force them to make in-game changes amongst themselves without leaning on Black Wendonofsky at halftime to make any changes. It would just force them to have to think a lot harder about this. However, this is the hand that they were dealt. And so when you, even looking at this match, I mean, to have all of these young starters get, get their start against Iceland, it was only two nil at halftime. And those last two goals didn't come until the end of the second half and by yeah. the, the same player in Kat Macario. So it still forced them to reflect on their performances and see what they could do better. But I mean, uh, Right. You always want a really hard test to be your test, because even if you get a 70, there's still so much room to improve on this one. So, uh, yeah, they won the She Believes Cup, but they should have won the She Believes Cup. Right. It, no matter who was on the roster, if the United States wants to be one of the best teams in the world, they have to continue to do that, to play really good competition and to outperform them every single time they step on the field. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think. Now that this has kind of come to its conclusion, knowing that we saw the games that we saw with the personnel in play, maybe let's take a look at things line by line, right? Something else that we did during the previewing uh, of She Believes Cup is we talked a little bit about players that we wanted to see in certain positions, players that we wanted to see get starts or see extended minutes. When you're looking across the lines whether or, or positions, whether mm -hmm. it's goalkeeper or that back line, the middle third, front attacking line, uh, you know, what is, uh, what are some, who are, who or what are some players or what are some things that you saw that maybe stood out or you think maybe you want to see more from? Well, Casey Murphy uh, getting the start, two starts, I think 
says a lot about her performance and really where she stands on this national team, that she's very much in the mix. Um, I think Alyssa Nair getting a time in net was also really good coming back from an injury. I would have liked to see Kingsbury in there. I mean, you, you call her up, let's see what she can do. Let's give her a lot. Uh, but I'm really happy with Casey Murphy's progression in goal and, and that she's making a name for herself at this international level. I think if she can continue to grow as a player and, and become a leader at the club level in the NWSL, the future for the national team and Casey Murphy is so incredibly bright. Um, I, I'm going to jump to the back line here before I, oh, I pass it back to you, Sandra. We, we love defenders. Go ahead. We love Be the defenders. It. And I, former defender here, I got to dive in on this. So we saw a number of different outside backs and, and center back pairings throughout the She Believes Cup. Um, I, I spoke about it earlier and I said that um, Sophia Huerta did a much better job at outside back versus in the last game for the United States versus Kelly O'Hara. Now, Kelly O'Hara back with the captain's armband against Iceland in the outside back position, along with Emily Fox. Now, Emily Fox uh, had a really good tournament, I think. This is also a player that is looking to make a name for herself. This was her fifth straight start for Black Landonofsky and, and all three in the She Believe Cup getting the start. Today, she had to be a little bit more defensive. She had a bit, she had some, some things to take care of from the Icelandic attacking side of things. And that's what I really wanted to see is Emily Fox be tested so heavily defensively. And she was a lockdown defender. We know that day in and day out. Kelly O'Hara was a little bit quiet on the flanks today for the United States women's national team. And I don't know if it was because it was the Kat Macario show up top, but I would have liked to see Sofia Huerta in this mix with the front line of Kat Macario, Sophia Smith, Mallory Pugh, Sanchez in the midfield, along with Mewis, and, and see if having Sophia Huerta on the outside right back position, getting up into the flank and sending crosses in, would have proven to show a different attack towards Iceland, or if it would have still been Kat Macario and, and Malpreu and Sophia Smith combining up top, getting in behind, doing gutting on the flanks and sending those crosses in themselves, right? Because it, as, as a player, you would rather be having your outside back send crosses in and your three forwards be in the box, not one of your forwards sending crosses in and your two forwards be in the box. The more players in the box, the more opportunities to score. So I personally would have liked to see Sophia Huerta in an outside back position against this Icelandic team that did have a little bit of space on the flanks. They were giving the freedom for the United States women's national team to cross these balls into the box and see what magic would have come from this. Uh, Sandra, for you, I mean, defensively or even in the midfield, uh, any other mixes that you would have liked to see? I know that Rose Lavelle was out with an injury yeah. for this match, as well as Trinity Rodman dealing with a bit of a nick after the the second She Believes Cup match. So that's why we didn't see them. But I mean, would have been pretty cool to see Rodman out there as well. Yeah, you're absolutely feeding me what I want to be fed or not. I mean, I think we chatted a little bit about that right uh, on our uh, recap episode for Sunday's matches. It, it, sort of seeing that scoreless draw to sort of kick off this tournament, right? Maybe obviously left a lot to be desired in terms of the goal scoring, right? Because there were zero on zero on either side of the pitch. But the movement that we were seeing, right? Sort of the, the chemistry that was beginning to develop between a Rose Lavelle and a Katarina Macario sort of showed from the jump as like, oh, maybe this is something that's going to develop over the course of these three matches. So it's unfortunate that we were unable to maybe, uh, you know, get to see that down the stretch. But you know what? 
it provided opportunity elsewhere. And I really loved what we saw at SU Sanchez, uh, you know, against Iceland specifically oh, yeah. and this kind of defining, you know, title game. Right. Um, I thought she was everywhere on the pitch. And when we're looking at sort of that attacking three of, of Macario, of Pew, of Smith, there were so many times often where Sanchez was absolutely involved in helping to spearhead that attack or becoming an extra, uh, you know, extended instrument, right, of this kind of offense that they were trying to present and trying to establish out on the pitch against Iceland. So I think, you know, obviously having her uh, alongside with somebody like uh, Christy Mewis, I thought was was very was very good to have, you know, against this, this sort of final test, right? Iceland, I think, of the three teams involved in this tournament was probably going to present uh, a different type of test, you know, you know, as opposed to a New Zealand side or uh, a Czech Republic side that they had not played in, you know, almost what, 21 years. It was only the second time ever. So it was like, what, what type of challenges or opportunities uh, are you going to present there? So for this Icelandic team that is, just looking ahead, right, beyond to to the Euros coming up and, and qualifiers coming up, they're in a different position, right, than maybe some of uh, the, the two other teams, you know, being involved in this. Um, but absolutely 100%. If you took the, if you took the goalkeeping in, in, in the back line, I'll stay in the middle third in the front line and say, uh, loved, love to see what Sanchez brought in this final match. I would have loved to have seen some more from Roosevelt and Katarina McCarr had the injuries not come into play. But uh, Katarina... Katarina Macario from the jump showing that, you know, she's probably the most informed player right now of, uh, of most. Uh, and, and I would love to, to see and witness, you know, more continued development from her. I know um, when it comes to the international stage, this is a player that is still getting her time in with this, with this senior women's national team and playing at this level, uh, you know, is going to look a little different from when you're going throughout different tournaments. Right. Um, but I liked I liked what we saw out of this tournament from this this player in particular, this this event. Okay, what about, I have to ask you about Emily, uh, Emily Sonnet, right? <laughs> Stepping into this game, playing in the midfield towards yeah. the end of this, what, 85th minute? Mix she it up, solid. right? <laughs> when that was happening, I was like, oh, oh, wait. At first, I thought when the subs were happening, I was like, oh, she's just like out of position. She'll like drop into the back line. No, no, uh, Emily Sonnet, center mid, okay. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I guess the bigger question is like, uh, you know, will the national team like ever see Emily Sonnet like in the center back position again? It's like her time in the national team has only been like specifically over these last two years, maybe has been like at the outside back position. Mm-hmm. And then apparently tonight was, you know, higher up the pitch uh, in the middle third. So, you know, not enough time, I think, to to sort of see what type of impact a player like Sonnet could have in the midfield. But I don't know if that's the start for for something else for for Blacko and the coaching staff to to take a look at in the future. I think ideally, I think what looking at this now, if if the World Cup is, you know, three months from now versus you know eighteen mm-hmm. <laughs> months from now, I think what you're getting out of here are you know some of your game changers. I think there are enough players in here who have probably shown enough to the coaching staff to at least keep them in the mix and of the conversation of the larger pool of players that they're going to continue to look at as they decide to, you know, narrow things down and start to make their decisions for a a 23 player roster for a world cup. And and we'll see, we saw the Olympics expand in light of a pandemic, right? That's something that, 
we're maybe failing. I don't know. That's that's maybe something that we're failing to talk about here. I mean, we we thought that you know it was was the Olympics going to be what it was, and then last minute they were like, hey, let's expand these rosters, you know. And then you've got world, you know, World Cup. We don't we don't know if if that's going to be in the in the cards uh, as well. I mean. I, I hope we don't have to we keep continuing an ongoing pandemic, you know, in the year 2023. But we were also saying that, I think, in 2020 and 2021. And now here we are in 2022 exactly. still talking about it. So, I mean, I think there's enough here for coaches that they probably saw from certain players um, that they want to keep them at the very least a part of that conversation. Completely, completely. I mean, I think that this tournament made it. Vlad Landonovsky's job incredibly difficult moving forward because he still has other players that are potentially in the mix that didn't even get called into she believes I mean uh, Sam Ewis is in here Lindsay Horan is in here Alex Morgan Kristen Press Tobin Heath Megan Rapino. there are a lot of players that are potentially still in these conversations and then it comes down to okay how are you going to to kind of compare them because even I mean just looking at the front line that we have uh, Pew, Smith, Purse, Macario, Hatch, uh, Purse. I mean, and then you throw in players like Alex Morgan and, and Kristen Press. Like, are they involved in that mix? And and we tonight we got to see very clearly how Pew and Macario work very well together. How Smith and Pew work well together. I think that the combo between Pew and Macario was a little stronger for me. But okay, what if you throw in now uh, Kristen Press into that front line? How is that going to work out? So. I mean, Black Wondonofsky, uh, prayers to you because you have a very tough job ahead of you. I'm excited for our part of this, Sandra, because we just get to talk about it and we get to make our predictions and our wish lists for what all is going to happen. Um, who knows what's going to happen with this World Cup roster because it is 18 months away and <laughs> there's a lot that can happen. I mean, the NWSL season is going to start. A lot of things can change with that. We know that U.S. Women's National Team head coach Black Wendonofsky watches the NWSL games every single week and, and assesses the players that he's looking at. That's how he grabs a lot of his pool players. So, I mean, tough decisions to come. And I think that these players did a great job of making his choices very difficult. We'll see what happens next in the next international window. Who gets called in? Who gets left off? Who's going to be involved in the mix for the next international friendlies for this national team but it was a delight covering she believes for what it was and it was a fifth she believes cup title for the united states women's national team so congrats to them and this uh, young core and this sort of next generation roster who was able to get out there and get it done we want to thank everybody so much for listening thank you all for joining us we appreciate it as always please follow us on twitter at attacking third for more we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Go ahead and hit subscribe at youtube.com slash attacking third. And we will be back with more women's soccer action. NWSL team previews we're rolling out here on Attacking Third, so check them out. And we've got player interviews alongside all of our previews as well. So go ahead and check out all our contact for Sandra Rita and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.